0: Two weeks ago, we talked about the topic of faith. Salvation by faith. The Holy Scripture comes by faith. The Holy Spirit comes by faith in the Holy Scriptures. The promise is revealed through the Scriptures. It is received by faith. The Holy Spirit, I want you to think about this as we start today. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is a deposit from God in you, guaranteeing that which is to come. It is the deposit, the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit right now in this room, is evidence that God will keep His promise. In Ephesians 1.13, it says, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. In this room today, you have heard the truth. You know about the promise of God, the resurrection of the dead. And now you Gentiles have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he did something. You heard the truth and you believed the truth. And when you believed in Christ, God, through Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Whom He promised long ago. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Christ in me, is God's guarantee that He will give us an inheritance He promised, and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we would praise, and so we would glorify Him. So why don't we do that? Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has given you a great and precious promise revealed through the Word. The Holy Spirit is God's deposit. In your account, guaranteeing an inheritance. So what now? After this happens, after I come to the knowledge of the truth, I receive the Holy Spirit. What now? Hold on. That's what comes after. You hold on to the very great and precious promise. It's called faith. In 2 Timothy 1.13, the first two words are this, hold on. Hold on to the pattern. Put it up on the screen. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. W- where did you get that? Do you have a copy? Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. A pattern shaped by faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, do something. Here's where everything's going today. Through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, do something. Carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Hold on. Hold on to this pattern of teaching Hold on. That's what we're doing today. We've gathered in this room to encourage each other by your presence, by this word, through the Holy Spirit. Hold on. Don't surrender the promise. Don't surrender the inheritance that God has given to you. Galatians chapter 4 opens with a physical example to illustrate what we're going to talk about today. What does the Holy Spirit deposit, received by faith, do for us while we wait for our inheritance? Let me put it together. Paul makes an illustration. Galatians 4 verse 1. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything the father had. Now, pause for a moment. Paul's going to use an illustration to show us how this thing works there are in this illustration there's a father who's very wealthy who has children young children and he has a will and in the will he has left everything to his children and then the father dies but the children are not any better off than slaves until they grow up why because the promise the inheritance of the father is there it's in their name but they can't get a hold of it because they're children they have to hold on and wait for him verse two they have to obey their guardians it's because they're children they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father has set there's a time in the future that they'll get their inheritance but until then they're going to be under a authority of a guardian they they've got the promise they've got the inheritance but they can't put it in their hands they can't put it in their life not yet verse three And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. We are like children who have been promised a great inheritance. In the room today, I want you to start thinking like this. We are like children. Who have been promised a great inheritance, but a child can't fully comprehend the value of such a promise. A child can't handle such a promise. It's too big for us because we're like children. Paul's using this analogy. Paul is telling the church that before Christ, before Christ, the jewish law was the guardian of the jewish people while they waited for the promise while they waited for the messiah that was coming they had a guardian and the guardian was the law of moses but then something happened the messiah came the messiah came now what what is our guardian now in the church age We're different from before Christ. What's our guardian now? Because we, like them, are children with a promised inheritance out in front of us, but we can't get fully our hands upon it. So what's our guardian now? The Holy Spirit. Today, by faith, we are co-heirs with Christ. But the truth is we cannot fully comprehend what that even means. We are not only children, but we are children, listen, that happen to have a sinful nature. It's still there. The Holy Spirit has power over the sin nature, but the sin nature has not fully been removed. Not yet. Born again. I look at the room. Born again. I hope that's you. Yes. But the sin nature still resides deep inside of the human flesh. It's still there. It will not totally, totally disappear until the resurrection. It's still there. Though the power of the Spirit has power over the nature, like the Jews before Christ. Listen carefully. Like the Jews before Christ, we're not much better off than slaves until we grow up. Because though we have received the promise, the inheritance. It's in our name. We cannot yet fully take hold of it. Why? Because we still have the sin nature. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the promise. Something has to change. Paul, Paul says you're not much better off than slaves until you grow up. But the promise remains. The Holy Spirit remains. Everything is secure. Even though we are children unable to take possession of this promised inheritance, this is all God's plan, not ours. This was not an afterthought. This was God's plan from the beginning of time itself. Let's go down to verse 4. But when the right time came, you read this a few moments ago during communion. When the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the Jewish law, and God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could do something. God sent Christ who were slaves to the law so that, we, so that He could adopt us as His very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to do something. Prompting me, the Spirit has come into my heart, prompting me to do something. Abba. To cry out, Father. Abba means Father. It's all by faith. The Holy Spirit is given to those who believe. The Holy Spirit then becomes a deposit, a guardian in me guaranteeing that which is to come what is coming an inheritance a child's inheritance from the father and the father's name is abba we've been adopted the holy spirit is evidence that god is going to keep his promise why how because by faith in christ we have done something we could not do on our own we have become the children of god you and i have the right today through christ by the power of the holy spirit to look at god and say abba father it's kind of a reference to a a modern term daddy that kind of thought a, a term of endearment i want you to rejoice with me over this next verse verse seven now you are no longer a slave but God's own child and since you are his child God has made you his heir so I want you to visualize today that whether or not you know it regardless of your current financial economic status circumstance you are a very wealthy child waiting for your inheritance that's you Do you know that? Oh, you can't get your hands on it right now, but it's in your name and it's been deposited in an account. And the Holy Spirit guarantees it's yours. How does it make you feel? Before Christ, we were not much better off than slaves. Before Christ. Why? Because we had a sin nature. But now Christ has come. The Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit has dominion over the sin nature of man. Christ is in me. The Spirit of the Son of God is in me. And now we are like children with a very, 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 very wealthy Father. The Father has made a promise that we will share in everything He has. Listen up. But not until we grow up. Not until an appointed future time. Again, flesh and blood cannot inherit, inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. There's a future time that flesh and blood will have to be changed, transformed. Something's got to happen. It's called the resurrection. We are still children, not much better off than slaves because our inheritance is off at a distance. It seems so very far away sometimes, doesn't it? Now, I'm going to be very frank, very honest. I realize that the Holy Spirit is in me, and the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing my future inheritance. And there are days that that inheritance seems so close you can almost touch it, and there are days that that inheritance looks so far away that you think, oh, are you sure? Faith brings the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the deposit guaranteeing the inheritance. The inheritance is not about possessions. Don't think like that. It's not about wealth, even though there will be both. The inheritance is about this. Listen, listen. The inheritance is about being able to call him Abba. That's the inheritance. It's about me and you being able to call him Daddy, Abba. You know there's two fathers. There's Abba and there's Satan. Jesus is meeting with a bunch of religious Jewish guys one day and he looks at them and he says, you're going to die in your sins. And because you will die unforgiven without the Holy Spirit because of faith, You're going to die in your sins, and you're going to go to the other father. Jesus said, clearly, there's another father. And and I want you to understand that by default, you don't get Abba. By default, you get the other father, because we have a sin nature. By default, we call Satan father. Something has to change for us to call God Father, Abba, something has to change. That is the gift. That is the inheritance. That is the promise. That is the resurrection. That is the change. You've heard me say over the years that while everyone who has ever lived from Adam to today is God's creation, not everyone is God's child. Not everyone will be able to call him Abba. Only those who can call Jesus brother. Do you understand? So when the Holy Spirit comes inside of me by faith, I am receiving the Son of God. And when I receive the Son of God and the Son of God comes into me, we share the same Father. Because I have connected myself, He has connected me to Him. We share the same Father Paul is revealing this spiritual truth. I'm reading it to you today to the church at Galatia. The apostle John also reveals the same truth. A little different wording. Let me read it to you. John 1.10 He, Jesus, came into the very world he created. But the world he created didn't recognize him. He came to his own people. Those would be the Jewish people. And even the Jewish people, they rejected Him. But to all who believed Him. I want to hold it up. Because this is so important. Especially, I don't know why the modern church is struggling with this. But to all who believed Him. And how in the world would anybody believe Him apart from this book? But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, God does something. He gives the right to become the children of God. You weren't born the children of God. You get the right to become a child of God because you believed him and accepted him. They are, how does it work? They are reborn. What? They were born with a sin nature with another father called Satan. But now they've been reborn, not with the physical birth resulting from human passion, human plan, human wisdom, human intellect, human work. No, 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 none of that. But a birth that comes from God to be born again. Jesus says it is to be born of the spirit and born of the water the Spirit comes into me making Jesus my brother. By faith in Christ, God has made you His child and God has made you His heir, a co-heir with Christ, a child waiting for your future inheritance. Faith in Christ has made you the brother. Listen, in the room today, I hope I'm saying this for all of you faith in Christ has made you a brother or a sister of Jesus Christ, making his father your father. That's how it works. There is no other way for this to work. You will never be able to call him Abba unless you go through Jesus and Jesus comes into you. The Holy Spirit is not optional equipment in the church. You're not in the church without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of the church Do you remember when Jesus, let me illustrate it. Remember when Jesus is resurrected and he hasn't appeared to anybody yet? And he's at the tomb and he's just been risen and he appears to Mary. Notice what he tells her. John 20 verse 17. Jesus looks at Mary and says, don't cling to me. For I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go, here's the first clue. Go find my brothers. What? What do you call them brothers for? Oh, this is so good. Don't cling to me, Mary. Go find my brothers. So there's, he's got brothers? Yeah. There's those apostles, Peter and Andrew and James. Go find my brothers. It it gets better. And tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father. What? They're the same father. I'm ascending to my father who happens to now because of the resurrection. He's now your father and to my God who happens to now be your God. How did it all happen? Because of Christ, because of the cross, because of the death and the burial and the resurrection. I'm going to ascend to my father and your father, to my God, to your God. Do you know what that means? Do you know how powerful that sentence is? This is salvation. He is Abba. He's your father because of Christ. Everything that belongs to Christ belongs to us. We will share in all that belongs to the Father. We're children waiting for our inheritance. That ought to change your whole worldview, how you see life. We're just children waiting for a future day when our inheritance will be made real. Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. But I'm going to ask you a question. What if you're not led by the Spirit of God? Then you are not a child of God. Do not let somebody lie to you. For all who are led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit means you follow the Spirit. You're the children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. That's old. That's past, right? That's before I was born again. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father, Daddy. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. His spirit joins with my spirit to say we are God's children. And since we are His children, here it comes. We are His heirs. You're rich. You have eternal life. All that belongs to Him belongs to you. You just can't get your hands on it just quite yet. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs to God's glory. But if we are... Oh, if I could just leave off this last sentence. But if we are... To share in His glory. You're an heir to His glory. Listen, you're a child with a glorious inheritance that you just can't get your hands on quite yet. But you've got the deposit. The deposit's the guarantee, right? It's the Holy Spirit. Guaranteeing the inheritance is yours. Your name's on it, right? But if we are to share in His glory, you will also have to share in His suffering. It's all by faith. Listen carefully. Here's where it's going today. It's all by faith. Believing this message, the Word of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, it's all by faith. By faith, we receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is a deposit of future glory. Do you believe this stuff? There's times in the sermon that I just want to stop and look around the room and say, do you believe this stuff? Because I do. Is this your worldview? Is this how you see everything in life? Are you a very rich child waiting for your inheritance? Well, why don't you act like it? Are you a very rich child trapped in a sinful flesh waiting for the resurrection into this inheritance? The Holy Spirit is the guardian over my sin nature while I await the resurrection of the last day. Do you want to know true freedom today? Think about this for a moment. Do you believe this stuff is real? Are you sure? That no matter what happens, you are a very wealthy child of Abba. Your brother is Jesus Christ. And very soon, it's closer today than it was yesterday. It'll be closer tomorrow than it is today. And two days from now, it'll be closer. And three days from now, it'll be closer, closer, closer to a promise of God a great inheritance beyond your imagination into eternal life do you believe this does did you catch that last sentence verse 17 because here's here's where we're going this verse verse 17 proves that we live in a fallen world and it proves that we will suffer while we remain in the flesh there will be hardship in the flesh Don't be surprised that there's hardship in the flesh because this proves, let me read verse 17 again. And since we are His children, now He's talking about the redeemed, right? The Holy Spirit filled redeemed, right? Since we are His children, we're we're His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're going to share in the glory, we've got to share in the suffering. The glory and the suffering are in the same person. It's us. We're the redeemed. So don't be surprised if you're a believer and you have to suffer. You have hardships in your life. The resurrection, the inheritance, listen carefully. This was one of those moments for me. When I came to this conclusion, for Jesus Christ, the resurrection was on the other side of the cross. What's the cross? Suffering. For Jesus Christ, listen, the inheritance is on the other side of the cross. And it will be for you too. Why do you think Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, you must take up a cross to follow me? Because you're going to have to go through, you want the glory, you'll have to get the suffering. And the suffering is there will be an opposition. You're in the sin nature. And there will be opposition while you're working toward that cross, while you're leaning in that direction. There's going to be a cross. For Jesus, the resurrection, the inheritance was on the other side of the cross, And it will be the same for every one of us. Glory is on the other side of the cross. The cross is, listen, the cross is a place of hardship. The the cross is a place of suffering. Nobody wants it, but that's how you get to the inheritance. The cross, listen, determines whether your faith is genuine or whether you're a fake. Because the cross will reveal Whether you are real, you really believe this stuff, or you're a pretender, the cross will determine which one you are. Because when things get hard, you'll figure it out when things get tough. You see, Jesus couldn't get to the glory of the Father by going around the cross, and neither will you. But you want to. There's a spiritual battle that's raging in the heavenly realms. The cross... It's a picture of that spiritual battle. There are two spirits. You've heard me say it. There's the Holy Spirit and the unholy. There are two fathers. There is Satan and there is Abba, Father. There are false gods. There is idolatry, at least for now. Where does true freedom come from? Is there any freedom right now while we're in the flesh? Is there any freedom? Do you know? Did Paul, let me ask it this way. Did Paul suffer? He's a holy man, right? He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He met Jesus personally. Did Paul suffer? Yes. Was the inheritance of Paul on the other side of his cross? Yeah. It's interesting to me that when Paul first went to Galatia, he was sick. Which tells you something. Here's a holy man of God. He's met Jesus personally. And yet when he goes out to preach, he's sick. Why did God let him be sick? Why couldn't God keep him from being sick? The inheritance is on the other side of the cross. Do you see it? Galatians 4.13 Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God, even Christ Jesus himself. That's how you cared for me. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? Do you see the spiritual battle? Do you see it? Something's changed in the Galatian church. I am sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy? Something's changed, hasn't it? Since he first went there, now he's writing this letter. Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Something happened. You see the spiritual war? It's in the church. These are believers. This is the apostle Paul. Who's got more Holy Spirit than he does? Verse 17, those false teachers. uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Those false teachers were so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right, but let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Do you see the spiritual battle inside the church? Let me give you an example. The Apostle Paul has a physical sickness. If you read the other Scripture, the Apostle Paul says he had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. Something that tormented him inside of his body. Why didn't God take it away? Because the inheritance is on the other side of the cross. The resurrections on the other side of the cross. There's false teachers in the church. Why doesn't God just get rid of them? Because that's the way it's going to be. Do you understand? Those false teachers will actually reveal the truth by their own falseness. If you know the truth. Understand, there is a battle that's going on. Do you see the suffering that comes with speaking the truth? Paul says, have I now become your enemy now that I tell you the truth? Do you understand that speaking the truth will in itself bring suffering? It'll bring opposition. It'll bring the false teachers. Jesus couldn't get to the glory of the Father by going around the cross, and neither will you, and neither will I. The cross will determine your faith. And what is the cross? Suffering. Hardship. Opposition Let's go to verse eight. "Before you Gentiles knew God." that be, he's talking straight to us. "Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slave to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves? You know what we used to call that in the church when I was a kid? Backsliding. That's what we used to call it. Nobody uses that word anymore. You notice that? Nobody. Let me read it again. He said, now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves? Once more to the slaves, once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world, you are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. And then he says something. I'm going to tell you, just jumped off the page at me. He says, I fear for you. I'm afraid. If you backslide, if you go back to what you were before Christ, I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from the laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. This freedom that Paul refers to is not freedom from God's moral laws. That's not what he's talking about. That's foolishness. This freedom is believing in the all-sufficient cross of Christ to redeem me, save me. Abstaining from shellfish. There were obviously struggle with people going back to the law of Moses, trying to be made right with God by obeying the law of Moses. This idea that abstaining from shellfish or pork— it won't save your soul. It won't make you a child of God. It won't get you an inheritance. It won't work. Because you, you can't do it. Coming to church on Sunday won't save you. Do you hear me? Coming to church on Sunday will not give you the ability to call Him Abba. You have one chance to call Him Abba. Jesus comes inside of you. By faith. So I'm going to ask you a question. Just, is he in there now, today? Do you want freedom? It comes by faith, not by religious ritual. You can't earn salvation. No one can do it. It's it's a gift. That gift came wrapped in human flesh. And the Bible says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth to believe in jesus christ the all-sufficient sacrifice of christ it's called faith faith is this message faith is the message where did you find the message that you have faith in in this book faith in the message the gospel brings the holy spirit and the holy spirit brings a promise and then what here's the here's the big point today I won't say it again. Faith in the message. I'm holding it up. The gospel. You, be- you heard the message. You believed the message. Believing the message brought the Holy Spirit into your life. A deposit guaranteeing a future inheritance. Then what? Hold on. Listen to me. Hold on. Why? Because suffering's coming, opposition will come. Oh, because the inheritance is on the other side of the cross. You got to hold on. What promise? You're a rich child waiting patiently for a glorious inheritance. Hold on. Is this you? This is what freedom looks like. You're a very wealthy child waiting to grow up and get your hands on the inheritance, but you don't get it yet. I'm not just free from sin, death, grave, and hell. I'm an heir to the promised inheritance of God. So my job and your job, hold on. No one, listen carefully. This is when it gets really interesting. No one, not even Satan himself, can take you out of this place of freedom as a child of God. In fact, I believe, I believe Based on the Scripture, not my opinion, I believe there is only one danger, only one danger in this glorious place of freedom, and it's not the suffering. You came to this place of freedom, how? By faith, right? The Bible's clear. Read Galatians, read Romans. We came to this place of freedom, salvation, how? How? faith by faith and here's the question of the day what if you lose your faith is that possible now you're going to get it, we're going to get into a theological discussion today and that's fine if i came to this place of undeserved favor because i believed and i received and the holy spirit came in me Given me a promised inheritance. If I came by faith, what would happen if I somehow no longer had faith? If I came by believing, what would happen if I stopped believing? Is that possible? You came to the freedom by believing, by receiving the message, but what if you then somehow stop believing and reject reject the same word of God that you once in your life? believed? Is it possible? Some people say it's not possible. Can you lose your faith? Can you stop believing? I want to ask you a question to answer that question. Paul said, why do you want to go back to being slaves? If you can't go back to being slaves, why does he ask the question, why do you want to go back to being slaves? It presents a theological debate. Let me ask you a question. Do you know anybody— that once believed and now they don't? Boy, I do. Maybe you don't get out much. Do you know anybody that at one point in their life, they were a believer. At one point in their life, they bore the fruit of the Holy Spirit. At least it sure looked like it to me. And now they don't. Do you? What happened? Did they not hold on? See, I'm not worried about God holding on to me. That's not my concern. See, He's already sent His Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing that which is to come. You know what my concern is? Me holding on to Him. Is that possible? You see, I know a lot of people that once believed and now they don't. Why? Where am I going? See, I'm convinced that the Scriptures clearly say that the inheritance is on the other side of the cross and cross is the place in which your faith is either purified and strengthened or it is shown to be false. And that which you proclaimed is not true at all. So some will say, well, if you do fall away, if you don't hold on, it just merely means that you never had it in the first place. You know, I don't really have time to talk in circles. So I'll just say this, hold on. Hold on. Hold on to the truth. You see, why was Paul afraid for them? Paul says, I fear for you going back into slavery. Why? Romans 117. Romans 117. Let let the Word of God reveal the truth. This good news tells us how God has made us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish, as the Scriptures say. Start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. There's no question. There's no doubt that it is by faith. It's not by your works. It's not by how tight you hold on. It's by faith. But if faith is believing, what would happen if you stopped believing? Did God make you have faith? Church, I'm looking at you individually. Did God make you have faith? Some people actually believe that. They don't want to say it out loud. And this idea of full predestination, that there is an election before the foundation of the earth, there is a calling, an election, your name's in or your name's out. You've got no free will. I do not accept that as truth because the word does not reveal that it's truth. Do you have free will to believe or not believe? I've studied the Bible now for over 25 years. I'm convinced that we have some of both. There is a calling of God. Yes, there is. Absolutely. You cannot deny it. There is a a predetermined calling of God. The very fact that you you had a chance to know the Word of God and a chance to receive and believe the Word of God says there was a calling of God. Right? That He puts you in touch with the Word through a preacher, through somehow. But there's also free will. This is also true. Because when you came in contact with that word, you had an ability in your own mind to reason whether or not you believed it to be true or false. If you received the Holy Spirit by faith, everybody listen. If you received the Holy Spirit by faith, what would happen if you later on stopped believing? Do you know anybody in that category? I do. A bunch of them. Some say they never really had it. I'm going to ask you a question. My teaching today from the scripture is this. I'm not going to get into the meaningless circular debate. I'm going to tell you, hold on. Because you know what? That's what the Bible tells you to do. Hold on. Hold on. Why? Because the inheritance is on the other side of the cross. And the cross is hard. And will you make it a cross? You can't get to the inheritance. You can't get to the resurrection unless you go through the cross. Jesus made it clear. You must receive your cross to follow me. It's hard. Why did the apostles tell us to hold on to our faith if you don't need to? Why did they tell you, at least in this translation, to cling to your faith if it's not important? 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well the Lord's battles. There's the cross. Cling to your faith in Christ. Why? Because it won't be easy. And keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. And as a result, what's the result if you violate your conscience? Their faith has been shipwrecked. What does that mean? What does it mean your faith is shipwrecked? It's sunk. Are you ready to suffer for Christ? I'm going to look around the room today. I'm going to tell you, Jesus says, no one will be my disciple unless you... Take up your cross and follow me. On the other side of the cross is an inheritance. On the other side of the cross is the resurrection of the dead. Jesus, the resurrection was beyond the cross, right? He had to go through the cross to get the resurrection. He had to go through the cross to get his place at the right hand of the Father. you are left to go through the cross too. You want to share in his glory? You've got to share in his suffering. You've got to share in the, in the temptation, the temptation to avoid suffering by going along with the world. Do you know you can avoid the suffering many times by going along with the world? Is your faith for sale? Would you sell your faith? When you stand at the cross, when you stand in the face of suffering or hardship, if you sold your faith, if you sold the name or you sold the word and went along with the world, then they won't, You won't have to suffer. Would you sell it? Would you suppress the truth and go along with the world to get out of hardship? I read yesterday, there's a high school student in the United States, a high school student that in their class assignment was given the class assignment to write down word by word the Islamic call to prayer that would would be a confession of faith in Islam. And this student was a Christian. And this student who's a Christian said, I can't do that. That would be denying my faith. I can't write down a, a, a confession of faith to Islam, even if it's a class study. I can't do that. And they gave that student an F. I'm going to ask you, if you're in that class, would you get an F? Well, I'm just, I'm just doing the study. Would, would you get an F? Would, would you sell? Would you sell this brother of yours Jesus for a A in that class? I'll give you another example. There's a teacher I read this past week. There is a high school teacher who refused to call a girl a he because the girl was now saying she's not a girl, she's a a guy. And he refused to go along because he says it's ridiculous because She's a girl. And they fired him. Would you get fired? The reason I bring up those examples is I'm, I'm afraid that many don't even see the spiritual war. You wouldn't even know what the cross looked like. The cross is the place when you're going to have to figure out who you are. And the cross is the place when you're going to have to figure out what you believe to be true. And whether you'll go along so that you can get along with the world. Would you? Get fired? Would you get an F? You see the war? Why did Jesus tell us that those who endure to the end will be saved? Why why did he have to say that? Endure what? The temptation to surrender your faith. The temptation to surrender the truth, the temptation to surrender the name. This is how Jesus describes it, Matthew 10:21. Do you see the spiritual war? Because listen, my biggest worry right now in the modern American church is you've got no idea. Most Americans they, they know in China, they know in Iran, they know in the Middle East, they know, they know the battle. in, in America it's like whatever. Because you never faced any opposition. Jesus says a brother will betray his brother to death. Oh, it won't happen here. A father will betray his own child and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. Who's he talking to? You see, the inheritance is on the other side of the cross. The cross is is going to be when you decide which side you're going to stand on. Verse 22, and all nations will hate you because you're my followers, but everyone who endures to the end will be saved. You better learn how to hold on. Why did Jesus warn the Ephesus church in the book of Revelation to repent and turn back to what they first believed, or He was going to take away their light? He, he, He said it to a church. Are you with me? Why does He say this to a church in Revelation? Revelation 2, 4, but I have this complaint against you, church. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Remember way back when? Look how far you have fallen. Can you fall? Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent. If you don't repent, if you don't turn around and come back to me, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. You must hold on. Why did the writer of Hebrews tell us to be very careful regarding this issue? Listen, of unbelief. Why? If it doesn't matter, why does he say this? I want to read Hebrews 3.12. Be careful. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. Be careful. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened by God. Be careful. Verse 14, for if we are faithful to the end. Are you listening? I didn't write this. But if you are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when you first believe, then we'll share in all that belongs to Christ. What? If you're faithful to the end. The inheritance is on the other side of the cross. Remember what it says today when you hear his voice. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it that rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when He took an oath that they would never enter His rest? Wasn't it people who disobeyed Him? So we see that because of their, because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter His rest. This whole salvation thing began with the promise of God to Abraham. Abraham heard the word. Today, we have encountered the Word of God in this room, and I believe the Holy Spirit will reveal it to be true. What will you do with the Word of God today? Specifically, verse 14. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God as firmly as we did when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. What are you going to do with that? Hold on what if you don't what if you're not faithful to the end what if you surrender your faith in face of suffering opposition or you just become plain distracted now there's a one last big point here it comes it's highly likely you're not going to be called into a class and be asked to convert to islam on writing so you think well i'm i'm safe and it's highly likely that you're not going to be called into some great spiritual public battle. You might. I don't know. But let me ask you a practical application. You see this idea that the inheritance and the resurrections on the other side of the cross. The cross takes many forms. Some of you in this room right now, if you'd be honest, your marriage is a mess. Will you hold on? Some of you in this room right now, your family situation overall. Is an absolute disaster. I'm going to ask you, are you going to hold on? Some of you in the room today, your financial situation is disastrous and you have no idea how you're ever going to see the light of day. Will you hold on? There's some of you in the room today, your health situation looks really bad. The doctor is not giving you any good news. Will you hold on? There's some of you in the room today in your job situation. You see, this cross takes many forms. Will you hold on to the promises of God? You are a very rich child. You are very wealthy. And He has given you Himself the Spirit of Christ as a deposit guaranteeing that which is to come. And He said, hold on because one day soon everything he has promised will be yours but it's on the other side of the cross the cross is what reveals your faith to be genuine or you're a fake what if you compromise the truth what if you just before god was about to reveal some deliverance you let go Verse 26, Hebrews 10. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning. If we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. You know what that means? You will die in your sin. There's only one, there is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. I don't know what the cross is going to look like for you. I can kind of come to the conclusion what it's going to look like for me. It's to stand on the Word of God is going to get more and more and more difficult. To stand for the truth of the Word of God in the church officially, openly, without apology is going to get more and more and more dangerous in America. I think that's just personally what it's going to look like. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like for you. But will you hold on? Or can you say today that you have the deposit of the Holy Spirit inside of you, guaranteeing that which is to come, that you're very rich and you're just waiting for time in the future when you'll take hold of it through the resurrection. That's yours today by faith. But don't let go of that faith. Hold on. I want to pray. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit will do what only you can do. Open our eyes even right now. Our ears, our hearts. Let the wind blow. Your spirit is wind, your breath. Let the fire, the power to redeem, burn in this place. I pray in Jesus' name. The invitation's open. Let's stand. Let's stand together.